Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited for today's episode because we have somebody who you probably already know, but we want to go ahead and introduce her. We're talking to Brooke Snow of the I Am Brooke Snow podcast, and today we're so excited to share her wisdom with you. Thanks. Welcome, me. Brooke. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Yay. And you guys, if you're listening on a podcast app, you need to go watch this on YouTube because Brooke is adorable and has really cute books behind her too. <laughs> We're both book lovers. <laughs> and this is only part of them. It's of like course. The big, big and they're like, book. <laughs> and they're like organized prettily. Good job. <laughs> One of the first things I noticed about you, Brooke, was your huge smile. And I think our listeners audience needs to benefit oh, by seeing thank that you. Too. I do love smiling. <laughs> All right, Brooke. So to start off, we always ask our guests just to introduce themselves a little bit. If people haven't heard of you before, who are you? What do you do online? A little bit about your family, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I'm Brooke Snow. I live in Northern Utah. I'm married and have two awesome kids that I homeschool. So I get to be with them all day, every day. And I actually love it and feel really blessed to be able to get to spend that amount of time with them. Um, Teenager, 13 and uh, eight year old, boy and girl. So I online, I guess you could say my work really focuses around personal growth. I have an emphasis also in the spiritual practice of meditation. And um, meditation is a practice that has saved my life, both physically and mentally. And I teach meditation courses and have a Christian-based meditation app as well. And love to um, create guided meditations and courses and resources for people to live an intentional-based life. I also have Um, I'm the founder of the Creation Coach School, and we train people on how to be the intentional creator of your life. And it's been an amazing journey for um, myself and also just using like the principles of creation, um, which is like a Christian worldview of how we have the power to be who we, who it is that we want to be using those elements of creation, whether it's our identity as a parent or um, accomplishing goals that we have, improving our relationships, um, any type of thing that we want to improve in our life that we can use elements of creation to be able to do that. So it's a little bit about me, have a podcast, as you mentioned, and um, love to be able to learn. That's my like favorite thing in the world is the learning. And then my second favorite thing is the sharing. So you're, you'll see all these books behind me is just like, makes me so excited. And then I get to share that excitement with other people and sharing what it is that I learned. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, I love that. Uh, clearly you guys can hear from her intro why we wanted to have her on homeschooling. Yay. And, uh, <laughs> learning and improving and be- bettering yourself. And I just love your perspective of creation. I have been talking about creation for a long time myself. I'm a big fan of just how much, especially women need to be in tune with their, um, that part of them that creates things 
you know, physical things of beauty, um, homes, and then the best version of themselves as well. So, so excited to talk to you. I love that. (laughs) I have to admit when I first heard about this concept of like sharing the creator role with God, I thought, oh my goodness, that is so prideful and presumptive. (laughs) And then I started to think about it and meditate about it some more. And I was like, well, it does say in the Bible that God created man in his own image. And so why would it surprise us that we have creativity in us? And so then I still started to, you know, more like accept and think about meditate on the idea myself, but we want you to go ahead. Cause this is something you have a long, um, history, a long, long line of work with, um, can you explain this unique concept that women have the power and ability to create the experiences that we're hoping? Yeah. For? And I love that you brought up like that first impression of like, be a creator. Like, isn't that presumptuous? Like, can I really do that? And I like to look at it kind of in two different ways. Like I can live my life as like a victim, like everything is just happening to me, or I can take responsibility and um, create intentionally the life that I want to have. And that's how I choose to look at it. I'll say my, my experience of, I teach what's called the law of creation. And just a little background on that. Some people might be familiar with what's called the law of attraction, um, taught in a lot of like new age spirituality circles and things like that. And there were things about that that I was really attracted to and it sounded awesome. And I I loved the idea, you know, like, oh, just send your intention out into the universe and these good things will happen. And, And yet at the same time, there were some things that I had a hard time reconciling with the way that that was taught. Um, especially from my Christian upbringing, I, there was just like, I had a hard time making sense of some of, of those teachings and making it fit in my gospel understanding. And one day, um, I was at a training and the, the presenter talked about, he basically taught the the law of attraction, but he didn't use those words. He, he called us creators. And he said that creation has to do with like how you see what you say and what you feel, see, say, and feel. And he's like, and then that creates your action and your action creates the results that you have in your life. And I remember just being fascinated because he taught the same thing using a different language. And I went home and I'm like, creation, creation. I wonder, can I find those like same three elements? See, say, feel, I find that in the Bible and what better place to start than the creation story in Genesis. And so I went there and I'm like, does it, do I, can I find anywhere in this creation story where it talks about how I see something? And you look at the very beginning of the story of God creating the world. And it said, um, like, how does he create? And it's that you have to have everything's created spiritually before it's created physically. And so like we, we would do that with, um, if we're going to build a house, you have to have the blueprint before you build the house. Like there's a spiritual creation and a physical creation. Stephen Covey talks about this too in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And then second, like, is there something that God says? (laughs) And like, that's the part we're probably most familiar with, right? Like, and God said, let there be light. Mm -hmm. And there was light. And like every part of creation is prefaced with what God says. And then third, like, feel like, is there any element to the creation story of that we can know how God's feelings play into that? And after each period of creation, like day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, like, what does God say? And God saw it, that it was good. 
like he feels the goodness of it. And then of course you read further into the scriptures. Um, in the book of John, we read that God is love. And in the book of Galatians, we read that the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, long suffering, meekness, goodness, faith. Like there's all these, what we would probably consider emotions, right? Um, that there are these feelings that we actually associate with God because it's part of his character and who he is. And so absolutely, as I'm like looking at these pieces of see, say, feel, like they show up everywhere in the creation story and they show up everywhere in my own life. And I I think it's important to recognize that all of us are creators all the time, whether we're doing it on purpose or not. And when we can break that creation down into those elements of see, say, feel, and I would add the see, say, and feel are like the spiritual creation. The physical creation comes through our actions. So that would be what we do. See, say, feel, do. And as we repeat that, it is what we become or it's what whatever it is that we're working on becomes a relationship or a project or whatever it is. See, say, feel, do the repetition creates um, what we become. And I think it's important, like I say, we're always creating whether we know it or not. Like you can look at any situation, um, positive or negative. Like what, think of something right now. Maybe it's a challenge that you have in your life. Um, just pause for a moment and ask yourself, how do I see this? How do I actually look at this situation? Do I see it as a challenge? Do I see it as this like really hard thing? Do I see it as this situation where I, I don't have control or I'm not able to show up in the way that I want? Um, so how do I see it? And then ask, what am I saying about it? What's the actual language I use? If I'm talking to my friend and I'm talking about this situation how do I describe it? Or what about the words that I don't say out loud and they're just in my own mind? Like what's the dialogue and the story that's going on? What do I say? And then ask, what are the feelings that are associated with this particular situation? And like name the actual emotions. And then like, what is it? What are my actions that go along with that? And the wonderful thing about seeing how I am a creator, even on those situations that I might judge as negative or not what I want it to be. If I can see the part that I've played and how I see, say, feel, and do, the amazing part is I can change that. I can actually change how I see it. I can change how I talk about it. I can change, which will change those feelings, right? And it'll change my action. If I repeat that, that I'm going to uh, create something even better. And so that to me is really empowering and exciting to be able to see that Something so small as the way I see, say, feel, and do has a massive effect on that creation and on my experience and whatever it is that I hope to improve. That is really, really a powerful sequence um, to to go through steps you go through. I was I was reading your blog and um, you a, a couple of days ago I read this post where you were like specifically honing in on that, um, that part about what you see and how to kind of like, so sometimes you like in a negative space and you're like, okay, I see the situation like this. How on earth do I change this? And so you um, had the phrase, the question, what is needful? That was just mind blowing to me. Like I've been thinking about that so much. Like this situation is like this. I can only see it black and white, but okay, hang on. What is needed? And that kind of gets me to step out of 
the victim space that you were talking to and into the, the creator or the, you know, being an adult <laughs> space. Like, you know, my kid's having a meltdown. What is needed here? Maybe it's not, you know, correct the negative behavior. Maybe it's a pickup and a cuddle right then, or maybe reverse it, you know, do the behavior first and then the cuddle. But like, just that thought, what is needed? It was so helpful to focus on that, that seeing part. Cause sometimes I feel like I get stuck in the seeing and I, if I see it, then it is. And there I'm stuck. I don't get to go beyond that. Yeah. I'll point out, um, the, the blog post you're referring to, it juxtaposes two questions. One is what is usually our default, which is what is deserved. And, you know, we look at that from a parenting perspective of we're very quick to judge things as good or bad, positive or negative. And we're quick to think what is deserved, even from a parenting perspective of like bad behavior equals <laughs> what is deserved. You need to be disciplined or you need to lose a privilege or whatever. And juxtaposing that question with asking what is needed can bring about a really different response and can help us look at the situation from a, a perspective of, of love and nurturing instead of a place of judgment, which can change everything. Right. And um, that's why I love with, you know, those simple things of how you see, say, or feel having a question, having a mantra, for example, like words or phrases that kind of bring back um, a grounded and centeredness to how, how we see can be really helpful. And that is one of my favorite questions to ask is what is needed because it shifts perspective really quickly <laughs> and can help me make a choice that in the long run can be a much more effective and loving choice than otherwise. Well, I really like that you brought that back to parenting. Uh, our podcast episode that is going live this week, um, we're recording this at the end of November, is actually about kids in our family that we deem the troublemakers. <laughs> The ones that are always in right in the center of what's going wrong, whatever. And um, that that's if we are to treat these children how they deserve, right, um, then it's going to be a really negative situation all the time because we it's so hard for us to pull out any good from this child. But what is needed, we, we dive into this kid has some needs that are not being met for one reason or another. What are they to dive into that? And then just a quick shift into our own lives. Like what if God only gave us what we deserved all the time? <laughs> I wouldn't have everything I have. No, no, no. It would be a miserable life indeed. Instead, he is constantly asking us, what do, what do you need? And please tell me, come to me with what you need. And I will bless you to the extent that I am able as you go about your own life doing what you need to do to improve and to be more intentional. So such good thoughts. So awesome. So um, speaking of November, we just came out of Thanksgiving as we're recording this. And uh, Audrey and I love to talk about gratitude. But, you know, as soon as Thanksgiving's over, everybody pushes gratitude aside. And then we all dive into like, what do I want for Christmas? You know, <laughs> but I want to bring up gratitude again, because you have talked about that lately as well. <clears throat> and it's something that we really like to refocus our lives on, especially when things start to feel out of sync. What is your particular take on gratitude and how that fits in the, in this this fear of being a creator of of your best life? Um, this is gratitude is really powerful for a few reasons in creation, like putting it into that model. And first of all, it's powerful because it I would say it's a feeling, like to feel grateful for something. And the irony here is that we're typically grateful for things after they have happened, right? <laughs> like 
it's just if if we put it in into like a um sequence like what do you what do you express gratitude for it's what has already happened or what you already have it's something that you experience at the end of something and yet it's a really powerful creation feeling can you actually be grateful at the beginning before something has happened can you be grateful um, before you have something and it's to, to go I'm going to place this in um, biblical context because that's my language and I always like to come back to that but there there's a there's a scripture by Paul I think it's in Ephesians and I should have been prepared with the exact reference I think it's the Ephesians 4 6 or something like that and he says let thy requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let thy requests be made known unto God. And this like blows my mind for a minute because we usually like separate asking for things and thanking God for things. Like they're two separate mm -hmm. things, right? Like how can I actually, with thanksgiving, let my requests be made known unto God? Like how can I have gratitude before something's happened? I'm asking for something, which means I have lack, right? And I remember years and years ago, I had a mentor of mine who taught me to pray in gratitude for things I didn't have yet. Thank you, God, for helping me to be patient with my children today. Thank you, God, for helping me to finish this project. Thank you, God, for helping me fill in the blank, whatever it is. And to experience the gratitude ahead of time, it, it brings in that feeling. And that feeling, of course, changes how we see, it changes what we say, it changes our actions. And, you know, when you look into that creation cycle, sometimes the feeling portion of it can seem like, oh, that's just a, that's just a product of what I see, say, or do, right? Like, I don't really have a lot of control over what I feel. And I'm learning more and more that the feeling portion of the law of creation isn't as abstract or like um, uncontrollable <laughs> as I, I think it might be. And gratitude is one of those feelings, especially that I think are so impactful and powerful on creation. And when you think of it in terms of like, what can I actually have gratitude before? Can I have gratitude at the beginning? And how does that change how I approach something? Um, I mentioned I'm a meditation teacher. I really love to bring visualization into my meditation time. And so like even the simple example that, you know, the prayer of thank you, God, for helping me to be patient with my kids today. And I may be saying that because I feel like I don't have patience <laughs> and I know like I need it. But as I'm like thanking him, it's like I feel like I've already received it. And if I feel like I've already received patience, I actually have it in me that I can go forth and I can be able to parent my children that way. And if I'm visualizing that, by the way, the reason I love meditation is it uses every single part of creation. It uses what we see with the visualization aspect. It uses what we say when we use a mantra or words. It absolutely like fosters and nurtures those feelings within us. And we can use the doing part as well. Like I can visualize myself in the morning. Thank you, God, for helping me have patience with my kids. And I can see what does that look like? Oh, I see the the moment when it's right before dinner 
<laughs> that is typically when I am a little hangry and we're all losing patience with, with each other, but I'm visualizing it different. I'm seeing it different. I'm like, thank you for helping me have patience. I'm like, wait, what is it that helped me have patience? And I see, oh, look, and my little vision that I'm having, I actually gave myself a snack so that I wasn't super hangry. I actually invited my kids to help me. I turned on some music. We did a little bit of a dance. Like I'm seeing like, what is it that that created the ability for me to be more patient in this? And I'm like seeing it ahead of time and I'm thanking God for it. And it's like filling up my body with this um, gratitude that like, wow, there is a better way. I can do this. Thank you so much for this. Um, it, like I say, it's just such a powerful creation and supports us in that spiritual creation becoming a physical creation. I want to bring what was in my imagination mm -hmm. into reality. I want that to be able to happen. So if I can feel the gratitude that it already has happened because I've spiritually created it, then I can go into the physical world and have more support in making that happen. Wow, that's so powerful. Using gratitude as a launch pad to the life that you want, right? We we keep thinking if if I just get this thing, then I can feel a little bit more grateful. Or if, if this just I just accomplish this other thing, then I can feel gratitude. But that's not not probably serving us the best way. I love that. Well, it can totally turn things on its head when you bring gratitude into mm -hmm. the present, even if it's not technically mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. yet, right? Like because, like you say, we have the discontent mm -hmm. in our life because we think that it's in the future. Everything's always in the future. If I have this, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. if, if this works out, if my child behaves this way, which I prefer, then, then I'm going to be grateful. Yeah. <laughs> but if we can turn it around, feel it in the present, be grateful in the present. That is such a powerful creation emotion to make the things happen. Yeah. And thinking about the things that we have today that we just so desperately wanted yesterday, you know, and, and how quick we are to receive and then to just charge on ahead. What else do I want? What else do I need? And to not think about all wow. those prayers that came before for the life we have today, you know? Amen. I love that. I want to skip ahead here to, um, the, to a question that we had. Um, because you talk, you're talking a lot about meditation and yoga and other um, practices that are, well, I've heard some Christians refer to them as like, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> they're just not comfortable um, practicing these because they're like an Eastern medicine thing or an Eastern religion thing. And they're not like Christianity. Um, so I want you, like I have a bunch of thoughts on this, but we got you on to ask you, I want you to talk about how you reconcile um, those two and then how you use them in your, in your spiritual or in your daily practice? I love this question because I've been there. I've had all those doubts. I've had those questions. How do I reconcile this? This is different. And, you know, I feel like that is one of my spiritual gifts that God has blessed me with is the gift of translation. And what I mean by that is I, I mentioned earlier, I love learning. I just have this soul that longs for truth wherever I can find it. And I have gone to all corners of the of the earth. I have studied all different kinds of religions and all different sorts of spiritual practice because my soul is so hungry for truth and light. And I really believe that God has has blessed all of the people of the earth with truth. 
And he speaks to them in the language in which they understand. And it may be different than the language that I speak, but it doesn't mean that there's not truth there. And my gift of, of I call it my gift of truth <laughs> translation, <laughs> is that I can find these golden nuggets of truth in other places. And then my brain, just like the way that my brain works, it's like, how does this fit into the gospel of Jesus Christ? How does this fit into scripture and into the Bible? And I like am able to just make the connection. I just have the gift of being able to do that and then to speak it in a language that my Christian friends understand. And so that's like just what I taught with the, the law of creation. It started with me learning something else somewhere else. It started with me learning about the law of creation, but I had to make it make sense in my worldview of being a Christian. And then I went and I searched and I asked God for that guidance and I found it and I learned more. Like it, it felt like I took the golden nugget that I found somewhere else. And then I bring in the biblical support and it's like, oh, it's even better now. It's even more powerful now. And one other analogy that I love to use is that of a diamond. And the more cuts that you have on a diamond, the more angles that you have on a diamond, the more it reflects, the more gloriously it reflects light. And if we only stay within our own little tiny angle of how we see the world, our, our one cut or something like that, um, it's not going to be as brilliant. But as we bring in more different perspectives here and there, and, and it's just all these different cuts that the light, it just reflects that it's like even greater. And so that's how I love to, to reconcile all those things is I always bring in the Christian perspective and I put it in there and it, it just is another angle. It's another point of view. I like to put it all into like one big circle. Like all of this can support itself. All of it may be said in a different language as like I mentioned, I have a, a meditation app and, um, there's yoga on there and other courses and things like that. And our whole purpose is to teach the things we've learned many places in a Christian worldview language. We teach yoga from that perspective. We teach meditation from that perspective. And the, the nice thing about the common language is that that is what rings true to people. If, if they're a Christian, it's like, oh, you're speaking my language. You just had to say mm. it in that specific way. And now I totally get it. Right. And the other interesting thing is like, we may say, oh, this meditation or yoga, that's so Eastern. And the hilarious part about that judgment is we tend to forget that Christianity began in the East. Like <laughs> We have Westernized Christianity a lot, but if you really go back and you really search, like the practice of meditation is something that is very in line with Christian practice. Um, we may not resonate with like chanting a mantra in the Sanskrit language. Like I would prefer to, to focus on a mantra that is in English because I understand what it's saying or focus on maybe a scripture mantra because that's more my language. But the, but the principle of being able to center myself and to be able to commune and worship God um, in my heart, mind, and body, um, are all like in line with gospel teachings that way. So I would just say, um, if anybody has questions about that, I'd invite them to come to our app and to 
give it a try. Like there's free, free courses and free material that you can, um, experience on there and, and see if the way that we speak about it starts to make more sense. Cause it's just mm -hmm. about the language, but truth is universal. And, um, let's bring more angles. Let's reflect the light. <laughs> so Brooke, the, um, go ahead and name your app here. We want people to be able to, um, our app is called, our app is called co-create and you can find it at my website, brooksnow.com. And it's just being released uh, right now. And we're super excited. It's going to be a blessing to many people. Okay. That's, that's really neat. My, my um, one, se one second version of um, my take on bringing, incorporating some of the Eastern medicine practices or Eastern religion practices into my own worship of God is that if God created it, it is acceptable for us to use it to worship him. I love that. I love that. Well, we are almost out of time, but I do want to ask you one question, Brooke, that we love to ask any guest of ours who is a mother and also a business owner, because this is something that's really passionate. Really one of our passions is building something of value to put out into the world to make an impact while also being present for our families. So um, how, the elusive balancing question, how do you keep in line your professional aspirations along with your your motherhood goals and and keep those two um, from taking each other over? That is a fabulous question. And I ask it <laughs> to myself all the time. <laughs> I would say what helps me the most is a few things. Um, first of all, I have a team. I have, I have grown in the ability to be able to outsource different things in my business experience. Um, for a long time at the very beginning, I did have someone help with childcare. And at that stage of my life, that was necessary for me to just have a good solid, like two hours that I can just uninterrupted, um, get some things done. My kids are old enough now that I don't need to be able to have that, but I do have an assistant. I actually have two assistants and it's so great that I can just delegate and I can say, you're in charge of answering all of my emails. You're in charge of scheduling everything. And because those are typically activities that drain me emotionally and mentally and prevent me from being able to do what I'm actually best at. And so that's like my second thing I would say, um, first of all, is delegate and to uh, don't be afraid of asking for help or paying for help. And because that can be a blessing to people as well. Like it's been, as far as like building a team, it's always amazing to me when I find somebody who likes to do the things I don't like to do. And I'm always amazed. I'm like, wait a second, you mean you like answering these emails because I hate answering emails or you like doing customer service. I don't like doing that. Or you like web design or coding or whatever it is. That is amazing. And it's so empowering for me to like delegate that off, but it's actually the thing that they like to do. And so it's blessing their life. And that kind of brings me back to the second point, which is learning how to like get rid of all the things that are unnecessary. I love the book Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And like, I live by that. That's one of my personal values in business is essential. Is it essential so that I am only spending my time on the things that number one, I'm good at, 
that nobody else can do but me? And is it, what's Greg McKeown's second book? He's got essentialism, effortless. That's my other like value is find the easy way. <laughs> Too often, like we do things the hard way. We don't even maybe realize that we're doing it the hard way. But like I ask myself, like, is it essential that I do this? And what's the easiest way to get this done? And having that help of the team and being essential, finding the effortless way have really been able to help me balance um, being able to also be homeschooling my kids. And I don't work that much. I work maybe two, three hours a day at the most. And it's usually spread out an hour in the morning, maybe an hour in the afternoon. And so I feel like I've been able to just strip things down so that I only do what's essential. I do it the effortless way. And then I treat the same thing with homeschool. It's like, what's essential? Like, do we really need to be doing this? Or what is the easiest way that we can do this as a family? Or even approaching like housework or chores, anything like that. What's the essential thing that needs to be done? And what's the easiest way in which we can do it? And um, that's been probably the two, the two values, I think, that have helped to create a feeling of managing it. A balance is always a funny word to use, right? Like it almost gives the impression that there is an arrival and like you've reached this destination of having balanced it. And I, I love the image someone pointed out to me once of the unicycle rider. And, you know, a, a unicyclist has got to have a lot of balance with one wheel, right? But if you look at their feet, like what the unicyclist is doing on that one wheel to balance, it's this constant like back and forth, like readjust, readjust, readjust. And I feel like that's really how we achieve a impression of balance in our life is that everything is like in this constant, like readjust sometime. Oh, today my family needs more time. Homeschool needs more attention. Oh, today I need to give a little bit more to work or everyone's sick today. Everyone's home today. Or like, like there's this constant readjustment. And if I can approach that balance, knowing that it's in flux all the time with those two values of what is essential and what is effortless, um, that helps me to have a filter in which those decisions are. Okay. The you, yeah, the unicycle analogy. That is That's perfect. Really awesome. <laughs> on the surface, everything looks peaceful, but underneath you're like, come on, come on, balance, balance, back and forth and back and forth. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Brooke, for sharing everything that you shared with our audience today. We had like 20 questions that we didn't get to today. <laughs> <laughs> so we encourage our audience to go check out um, more of what you do and what you produce. Can you tell them where to find yeah. you on the um, My podcast is the Brooke Snow podcast on iTunes. I'm on Instagram. My handle there is I am Brooke Snow. And the, I have a website, brooksnow.com. You can find um, access to our app and our free courses that are there as well. So, so nice to meet me. you, Brooke. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week.